Blessed Sunday, everybody, and welcome to Grow Point Dumagati Worship at Home. But before we come into God's message for us this morning, let us bow our heads, join our hearts together in prayer, and ask the Lord to bless us. Our dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your goodness, for your grace. We praise you because you are a great and mighty God. You are worthy of all honor, glory, and praise from us, your people, whom you have richly blessed in Christ, called from darkness into light, and you have, O oh God, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. For that, we're thankful that we have everything that we need to live a godly and a holy life that brings honor and glory to your name. Lord, today we pray, give us a teachable heart, and I pray that you will speak to us and instruct us, motivate us, give us the desire to grow spiritually, to be changed in the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. We commit this hour to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Once again, we welcome you to Grow Point Dumagari. And today we'll have our Vision Sunday 2. Last week, we talked about God's purpose and God's plan for us as His people, whom He has lovingly and graciously called out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ. We have been called out from the world unto God to live for His glory. So these Vision Sundays have, all, have been designed, have been created to drive this simple and yet profound statement. And here it is. God has called us to live for His glory according to His plan. Now that sounds very simple, but there's so much into it. God Himself has called us. He has called us from darkness. He has called us from the world unto Himself so we can live for His glory. And we do that by following His plan. We said that to fulfill our calling and live the way God wants us to live, we first need to understand and know His plan and purpose for us individually as Christians and collectively as the body of Christ, the church. God has a preferred picture for our future when He saved us from sin, death, and hell. When He saved us and called us from darkness to light, He had envisioned a plan to change us into the image of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, when He saved us from sin, death, and hell. Listen to this passage in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 28, down to verse 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Notice that. We are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among the many brothers. Verse 30. And those whom He predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. In other words, God's desire was not only to deliver us from the flames of hell and bring us into his glorious, beautiful heaven, but he also wanted us to grow spiritually, to experience transformation through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and his word. He wants us 
to become like His Son, Jesus Christ, by growing spiritually. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we are exhorted by Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and for the day of eternity. Amen. We are to be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that brings Him glory. That brings Him honor. Another passage, 2 Corinthians 3.18, when we talk about transformation, when we talk about, you know, sanctification or spiritual growth, these two passages never go away. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Bible says, and this time it's Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, God's vision for all believers, for all Christians, His desired picture for our future. This is what He wants us to become. What He has always wanted to happen in us, the very thing that God envisioned for each one of us, what God wants to see in us is for us to be transformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word. He wants us to be Christ-like in our character and our conduct. He saved us, remember this, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ from sin and death. And God has made us alive in Christ and together with Christ and called us to be part of His body, the church. And in His church, God has raised up spiritual leaders such as the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, pastor teachers for the purpose of equipping us, the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry exists so that, the Bible says, we can help build each other until, look at Ephesians 4.13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to mature spiritually. He wants us to grow spiritually. And spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, okay, leads to Christ-likeness. In other words, He wants us to be like Jesus. And you might ask, why does God want us to be like Jesus? Thank you for asking. And the simple, the simple answer to that question is this. Because it was only the Lord Jesus Christ who perfectly lived for the glory of God. No one else perfectly lived for the glory of God except Jesus Christ alone. You see, when you look at the life of Christ, when you consider the account of the life of Christ recorded for us in the Gospel of the New Testament, we can see this, that Jesus... Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, loved the Father more than his own life. And he was so devoted to him. And that love and devotion to the Father was proven and demonstrated through his obedience to the Father's will. Even to the point of death. Even the death of the cross, Philippians chapter 2. The Lord Jesus not only loved and not only was so devoted to the Father... 
Jesus also was dedicated to the work that God has called him to do. He did it all out of his love and devotion to God. And God wants us to live that way. God wants us to live in a way that like Jesus glorifies him. That through our lives, people can see his holiness, his love, his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his truth, his character. A life that displays his glory. A life that magnifies the Lord. A life in which God's character and God's ways are being displayed in the open. God wants us to live for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, the Bible exhorts and commands us, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Now, for that to happen, for us to live for the glory of God, for us to do all things for the glory of God, we must be changed into the likeness of God's Son from the inside out. For us to be changed and be like Jesus, we must decide and commit to be His follower, to be His disciples. We must choose to follow Him and learn from the Lord. If we're going to live for the glory of God, there's no other way but to be changed and become like the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, we must commit to follow Him and learn from Him. Allow Him to teach us. Allow Him to instruct us. Allow Him to rebuke us. Allow Him to correct us. Allow Him to guide us. Let Him influence us. Let Him infiltrate us. Let him and his being and his ways and his life permeate our, our being and let his life be lived out through us. That also requires cooperation with the working of the Holy Spirit because transformation, sanctification is the work of the Spirit of God. As we have read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 earlier, we all, with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image, into the same image rather, from one degree of glory to another. And listen to this. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The agent of change is the Holy Spirit. You cannot change yourself. I cannot change my life. I cannot change my heart. I cannot change the way I think. I cannot change my character. Only the Spirit of God can change us. Christ-likeness, listen to this, is God's desired destination, so to speak. It is the result. It is the product, if we, can, if we can use that word. It is the product of spiritual growth or sanctification. It is God's vision for each and every one of us. I hope this is clear to you. I hope it's clear in your understanding that God saved you from the ugly life you once lived, the sinful, filthy, dirty, immoral life you once lived, so that you can live for Him and be, you know, be, be living a life that displays His purity and holiness and God's glory. I hope that's clear. And I hope you're convinced that this is God's plan. He wants you to become like the Lord Jesus Christ in the way you live. He wants you to become like His Son in your character and your conduct. He wants the life of Christ be seen, be manifested, be known through you and in you. That is God's plan. That is God's desire. That is God's picture 
of your future. And if that is clear to you, and if, that, and, and if you are convinced with that, I hope and pray that you will commit to the process. Because there is a process involved. The process of sanctification and the process of spiritual growth. That's why here in Grow Point Baguette, the vision is for us to see every believer growing as a healthy disciple who makes disciples in small groups. We want to see every single Christian believer who worships with us, who fellowships with us, who connects with us, who commits to this local body of believers to be a healthy, growing disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who is also making disciples who's also reaching the world and telling them about Jesus and helping them be established in the faith, helping them know who this Jesus is that, we, that, that saved us, who is this God who loves us. And we do that in the context of small groups. You see, once we were dead in our trespasses and separated from God, but because of God's love, because of His mercy, because of His grace, He saved us and made us alive in Christ and together with Christ. And we are now, okay, we are now individuals with God-given purpose. And we are to be growing into Christ-likeness so that God is glorified in our lives. And as we have pointed out last week, if there is a life in us, if there is spiritual life in us, there should be growth. You see, the absence of growth indicates that someone or that person who is not growing is not healthy. And if it's not healthy, there's something wrong about it. The Bible calls them carnal Christians or babes in Christ. So we should desire to grow and do what we need to do to be a healthy disciple so that we can eventually bear fruits to glorify our God. So for us this morning, as we continue with our Vision Sunday, the question is, what is a healthy disciple? We want to answer that question this morning. How do we know if we are healthy? And there are at least three areas we need to watch out for to be a growing, healthy disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in Grow Point Dumagari, we call them our goals or preferred outcomes. So we have our mission. We say that we exist to glorify God by making disciples in the spirit of love. And we have the vision, which is to see every believer growing as a healthy disciple who makes disciples in small groups. And with our mission and vision, we have set our goals. Okay? In order to be, you know, in order to realize the vision, we need to be healthy disciples. That's why we sit. We set our goals around that. Okay? We want to be healthy disciples who makes disciples. So that's our goal. Okay? And that, that's our preferred outcome. To be a healthy disciple who glorifies God, first, okay, we must seek to worship God passionately. Worship God passionately. As St. Augustine said it well, God, you have made us yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Psalm 29, verse 2, this is what the Bible says. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. 
I see the word ascribe means to attribute to something or someone. To worship God means to recognize and to acknowledge God because of His worth, because of who He is. To acknowledge and bow down before Him in humility because He is worthy. Now, that doesn't mean you add something or you add to the, to the attributes of God or you add to the glory of God. Remember, God is perfect. Okay? God is perfect. It is simply okay, our rightful response. I like that word. It is our rightful response to God because He is worthy. We worship God because He is worth worshiping. We bow down before Him because He deserves it. We are to be worshiping Him. And when you declare from your heart and soul, with all your whole being, okay, the worthiness of our God, it brings Him glory. It gives Him what He deserves. And that is the essence of worship. To praise God for who He is and praise Him for what He has done. Okay? Because He's worthy. God is perfectly worthy to receive honor, glory, and power. And praise. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And the psalmist said in Psalm 115 verse 1, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. And then listen to verse 2. This is what worship is. Verse 2. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him for who He is. Okay? Think about how great our God is. Okay? If you have forgotten how great God is, just look around you. Just look at the creation around you. Look at the plants. Look at the flowers. Look at the birds. And then at night, you can look at the stars and the moon. At daytime, if there are no clouds, you can, you know, try to look at the sun if you want. That's how glorious our God is. I mean, look at the mountains and the beautiful landscapes. Look at the rivers and the seas and, and the creatures that are in it. God created them all. In fact, God spoke everything into existence. That's how great our God is. I mean, look at your life and be reminded of how good God is, how gracious He is to you. If you just think of, of, of the greatness of God, the goodness of God, and the graciousness of God, man, you will be driven to your knees and bowed down before Him in awe and worship Him and praise Him for His mighty deeds and praise Him for His excellent greatness. In other words, we worship God and reverently recognize Him for who He is and for what He has done. And that glorifies God. Praise glorifies God. Psalm 50 verse 23, the Bible says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And a growing healthy disciple is someone who worships God passionately. There is passion. There is conviction. There's nothing you would allow, you know, to rob you of giving to God the praise, the honor, and the glory that He deserves from you. 
So growing healthy disciple who glorifies God, worships God passionately. Secondly, if we're going to be a healthy, growing disciple that glorifies God, we secondly need to walk with Jesus intimately. Walk with Jesus intimately. John chapter 10, I like this passage because it gives us a picture of our relationship with God. Of course, there are other passages that gives us the picture of our relationship with God. But I like this in particular. John chapter 10 verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So to walk with Jesus intimately, we must embrace the sheep-shepherd relationship with Christ. He is our shepherd and we are his sheep. And as our good shepherd, he knows and wants only what is best for us. He is there to protect us. He is there to provide for us. He is there to preserve us. Okay? And protect us from those who desire to destroy and devour us as his sheep. Jesus is there to protect us from Satan and his demons. Okay? Who seek to devour us, destroy our testimony, discredit us from Christian service, to discourage us, and so on and so forth. All that Satan wants is to rob God of the worship that he deserves from you. Only God deserves your worship. This okay, necessitates walking with Jesus intimately. Because we have an enemy who seeks to discourage us, who seeks to derail us, who seeks to deceive us, who seeks to destroy us, discredit us. Okay? We need to be walking with Jesus intimately. You know, on our own, we cannot handle the enemy. But with Jesus, we are more than conquerors through him. 1 John 2, 5, Bible says, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. And whoever says he abides in him ought, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You see, it requires faith and confidence in our good shepherd to take good care of us, to lead us to a place where we can enjoy God's provision for our growth, where we are to hear okay, or listen the voice of our shepherd and then follow him. Walk in the same way in which he walked. So the question is, how do we hear to follow his direction? Simple answer. Through the word and prayer. You see, when you read God's word, you're allowing God to speak to you. And when you pray and have a conversation with the Lord, you're not only talking to Him. Prayer is not one way. Prayer is a dialogue. You talk to God and let God talk back to you. Okay? In John 15 verse 7, listen to this. Jesus says, if you abide in me, in other words, if you stay vitally and intimately connected to me, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, that's prayer, and it will be done to you. But what is the, the necessary requirement for our prayers to be answered? We're to pray according to God's will. But how can we pray according to God's will? We need to be walking intimately with our God, with our Savior. We need to abide in Him. We need to stay vitally connected in fellowship with Jesus Christ, be walking with Jesus Christ, and let His Word remain in us, and then we can ask what we want, and then God will answer us. So in order for us to walk intimately with Jesus, we need to follow His direction. Secondly, we need to appreciate His salvation. 
Again, going back to John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. To walk with Jesus intimately, we must also appreciate his sacrifice for us as the Lamb of God who takes away this, our sins. You see, Jesus laid down his life to save us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and ultimately from the presence of sin. Jesus paid it all through his death on the cross. Listen to the words of the Bible, John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, before he breathed his last, he shouted triumphantly these words. Jesus said, it is finished. In other words, the debt we owed to God because of our sins has been fully paid. Tetelestai. Debt paid in full. Jesus paid it all and there's nothing left for us to pay. Romans chapter 3 verse 23, listen to this beautiful passage. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, that's the truth. We're all sinners. And in our credentials and qualifications, we are not qualified to reach and be in God's heaven. We're all disqualified. But there is good news, verse 24. Even though we, were, we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God, we are justified by His grace as a gift. In other words, it's for free through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. It's a salvation from sin and death in hell. is God's gift to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died in our behalf, who paid everything for us. He paid it all. So how do we appreciate practically what Jesus has done in our behalf? Paul said it well in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay? Because we are saved by Jesus from our sins. And if we're going to appreciate that practically, here's what we need to do. Verse 17 of chapter 4 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He said, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, as the unbelievers do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkening their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We are to stop living the way we lived before when we were still unbelievers. We are to stop living like the unbelievers around us. And we need to start living the way Christ wants us to live. To put off the old self, renew the spirit of our mind, renew our thinking patterns, renew the way we think, renew the way we look at life, and then let God, okay, by the Holy Spirit, enable us to put on the new man. Because the Bible says you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed. Behold, all has become New. We are to live in the newness of life. 
This means that since we have been saved from sin, we should no longer live in a sinful way. If we choose to live in sin, then we are making a mockery of what Jesus has done for us. We're mocking Him. It is as if we're saying, what you did on the cross by your death, you know, what you have accomplished uh, through your resurrection means nothing. It has accomplished nothing. We're saying that, you know, God has not delivered us. He has not freed us. And everything that Jesus did has no effect on us. The truth is, God has mightily saved us. He has mightily delivered us from sin and has given us a new life in Christ. Now we are to walk in Christ by putting off the old self, renew your minds, and put on, okay, put on the new man. In short, let Jesus live out his life through you. And that requires a level of closeness or intimacy with him for that to be a practical reality in our Christian lives. To walk with Jesus then means to listen to his voice and appreciate his, I mean, listen to his voice, follow his direction, and then appreciate his salvation by living a holy and righteous life. I like this quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He said, and I quote, smart men walked on the moon, daring men walked on the ocean floor, but wise men walked with God. I hope you will choose to be wise. To be a growing, healthy disciple who glorifies God, we need to be walking intimately with Jesus. But not only that, here's number three. Okay? If we're going to be a growing, healthy disciple that glorifies God, we need to lastly work in the Spirit fruitfully. Work in the Spirit fruitfully. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers for what purpose? Primarily, the Bible says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, pastors and teachers and all of the other, you know, appointed leaders in the body of Christ has, you know, was, were raised by God, okay? They were raised by God so that they will equip the church so that the church, the members, the body, will do the work of the ministry to edify and build up in the body of Christ. And the ultimate goal is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. As we have discussed, God's vision for our spiritual growth and progress, we mentioned in this passage, okay, we mentioned from this passage clearly, okay, that it includes service to God as one major necessary requirement for our growth. We cannot be a healthy and growing disciple of Jesus if we are not serving Him in a ministry. Indeed, when we are worshiping God passionately in response to who He is and what He has done, and if we are walking intimately with Jesus, that will result in joyful service to God. Because serving the one who loves us, the one who saves us, the one who provides and protects us is our great delight. If you are a grateful and a thankful believer, and if you appreciate what God has done for you, if you truly worship God for who He is and what He's done, and if you truly appreciate Jesus as the Lamb of God who took away your sin, serving Him is the natural outcome. Serving Him is your natural response. 
So how do you serve King Jesus? Okay. How do you serve the one who loves you? To work in the Spirit fruitfully, okay, or work for King Jesus in the ministry, we need to, number one, serve Him using our spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 14, I mean 12, verse 4 to verse 7, Bible says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same Spirit who empowers them all, okay, in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each. Sakada osa. For every Christian believer, God has given a spiritual gift. Every Christian believer, let me repeat, has at least one spiritual gift given by God through the Spirit to be used for effective and fruitful work in the ministry. There is no reason for you and me to be fruitless in the ministry. There is no reason for you and me to be not effective in serving God. If we only know and discover our individual gifts and use them faithfully in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be fruitful. We will be effective. You see, let me give you a warning. Serving the Lord can be very frustrating when we neglect the use of our gifts. In other words, when you serve the Lord outside of your area of giftedness, you will be frustrated. Serve the Lord in your area of spiritual giftedness in order to be effective and thus making it fulfilling and not frustrating. Secondly, it can be a fruitless endeavor. Again, we need to serve God in the ministry where God has gifted us to be fruitful. Our spiritual gift informs us which ministry we should be serving in. That is our area of effectiveness. That's our area of fruitfulness. To serve using your spiritual gift. Secondly, serve trusting in the Holy Spirit. Not in your own effort. It's not because you are a genius. It's not because you're skillful. It's not because you are, you know, eloquent. No. It's, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11 that we quoted earlier, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So it is the Spirit of God who gives us the gift, and it is the Spirit of God who gives us the power to use the gift effectively and fruitfully. Spiritual gifts are to be used in the power of the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit of God who gives us the strength to serve the Lord with gladness. Let me give you an example. Romans 8.26 And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. In the NLT version, it says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. What this verse is telling us, okay, is that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. It is Him who gives us the strength. For example, we don't know what to pray for, so it's the Spirit of God who helps us. Okay? We don't know how to serve. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to reach out to the community. It's the Holy Spirit who gives, who gives us you know, the strength. It's the Spirit of God who helps us. The Spirit enables us to live and labor for God. I like this verse in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. We are reminded, and this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So if we are going to be a growing, healthy disciple, we must worship God passionately, 
walk with Jesus intimately, and work in the Spirit fruitfully. Now, in conclusion, let me share some practical steps we can take each day to accomplish each of our spiritual goals. Okay? If we're going to worship God passionately, if we're going to walk with Jesus intimately, if we're going to work for you know, King Jesus in the Spirit fruitfully, here's what we need to do. And I'll do it one by one. So here are our practical steps, suggested practical steps here in Grow Point, Dumagari. If you have a pen and a paper, you can write them down. To worship God passionately, we need to daily, number one, ponder upon the greatness, the goodness, and the grace of God. So if you make it your habit to meditate and think about how great your God is, you, you meditate and think about His goodness and His grace towards you you will be driven on your knees and fall on your face to the ground and worship God. He is so good to us. He's so gracious to us. I mean, He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He provides for us faithfully even when we are not faithful to Him. And He's great and worthy to receive honor, glory, and praise. Secondly, if you want to worship God passionately, practice private prayer and praise to exalt God in your life. You know, in the privacy of your own home, perhaps you can do it alone. If it's hard for you to be alone, look for a place where you can, I mean, if it's hard for you to be alone at home, look for a different place for you to be alone with God and privately praise Him, privately pray to Him. Thirdly, pursue, and I mean pursue, pursue a personal encounter and experience with God. Seek His mind. Let Him guide you. Let God make Himself known to you. How do you do that? Open the Word. Open the Word. Let God speak to you. There's nothing magical about this. It's just the reality. God speaks to us primarily through His Word during these days. So if you want to worship God passionately, do these things. Ponder upon His greatness, His goodness and grace. Practice private prayer and praise and exalt Him. And then pursue a personal encounter and experience with God. Try to follow these steps. This might be very helpful. I mean, th these are not the only things you can do, but these are what we suggest here in Grow Point Dumagari that you do in order for you to grow in your worship with God and to grow, you know, in worshiping Him passionately. Secondly, to walk with Jesus intimately, we need to consistently do these three things. Number one, spend time to know Him more through study. Spend time to know Him more through study. You cannot walk intimately with someone you don't know. You can't, you know, have a close relationship with somebody you don't know. I mean, that's just so natural. If you want to walk intimately with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to, you know, walk with Him closely, you have to pursue, you know, a relationship with Him. And you can't have a relationship with someone you don't spend time with. You spend time to know Him more. You don't just spend time, but spend time to know Him. It's just like a marriage relationship. We cannot stop spending time knowing our spouse. 
If we're going to grow in our love for our spouse, then we need to study the one we love. That's the same with our God. Secondly, seek his leadership and guidance through prayer. Seek his leadership and guidance through prayer. He's your shepherd. He wants to lead and guide you. Listen to his voice. Seek his direction. Follow him. Follow him. And you do that through prayer. So study to know him more. Pray to seek his leadership and guidance. Thirdly, surrender to his will and his ways through obedience. Simply obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how you walk with him intimately each day. You try to follow these steps. You might find these steps helpful. Lastly, to work in the spirit fruitfully, we need to regularly proclaim the gospel clearly, courageously, and compassionately in the power of the spirit. You want to be fruitful in the ministry? You want to be fruitful in your Christian life? Then do something with eternal value. How do you do something with eternal value? Go and preach the gospel. The souls of men will last for eternity. There will be people who got saved through your faithful, powerful preaching by the help of the Spirit who will be forever grateful that you took the time and you took the courage to clearly and compassionately proclaim the glorious gospel of salvation to them. You want to be fruitful? Go out and proclaim the gospel. The Spirit of God is there to help you. He will enable you. Number two, produce equipped and empowered witnesses. And we suggest you use our standard material. If you don't know how to do it, allow us to get you started. We have, and we have been using the exchange materials written by our friend in the ministry. You know, I consider him as one of my pastors, consider him as one of my mentors, Jeff Mosgrave. Okay? We even have an application you can use to reach out to your friends from a distance. You can simply use the app, share the app with them, go through the gospel with them using the app. And we have you know, a simple, basic follow-up material for you to be able to start discipling someone, start helping a new believer be established in the faith. So produce, equip, and empowered witnesses using the exchange materials. And lastly, we want you to promote life group community. This is our small group where there is accountability, there is prayer support, mutual ministry using your spiritual gifts. You have to be in a small group community, which is the best environment for you to grow spiritually, for you to be worshiping God with, with passion, for you to be walking with Christ, and for you to be serving the Lord effectively and fruitfully. Be part of a small group. So these are the practical steps that we suggest you follow each day to worship God passionately, to walk with Jesus intimately, to work in the Spirit fruitfully so that you can be the growing, healthy disciple who makes disciples in small groups that God wants to see in you. This is God's vision for us here in Grow Point Magari. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord give you the heart that is convinced okay, and that is committed to pursue God's vision for us as a church family. I hope that's clear to you here in Grow Point Magari. We at the leadership team is committed to consistently, clearly, and creatively communicate God's vision for us. If you have questions, by the way, you can 
ask me directly. You can ask the other church leaders we have here in Grow Point Magari. You can do that online. You want to have a chat with us or you want to meet with us personally, we would gladly accommodate you because it is our commitment. We are convinced that this is God's vision and we are committed to this. We want to pursue this in realizing God's vision with you. God bless you. Thank you very much.